Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. From Newcastle to Cambridge, Argentina, and of course, London, my next guest has mapped out a solid career in broadcasting. Whether you heard her waking you up on the Capital Breakfast Show, saw her slay the dance floor on Strictly Come Dancing, watch her interview some of your faves on 4Music's Trending Live and the Isle of Wight Festival, or host absolute carnage at some of the biggest extreme sporting events in the world, this woman knows how to report present and kill it on the screen. I am very happy to have the amazing Vic Hope join me today. Hey, Vicky. <laughs> oh, Ramel. <laughs> oh, that was so nice, you know. Sometimes you forget these things. Um, that's really oh, sweet of you. How are it's you? It's a journey. I'm good. I'm good. First of all, Vic, welcome to the mainstream. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to speak to you because um, I had a I had a private, you know, admiration rant, but I absolutely love how you've just worked your butt off and your journey into broadcasting for me has just been so amazing to watch. And just you've you've kind of done a little bit of everything. So that's what we're definitely going to talk about because it's had loads of twists <laughs> and turns. So let's get into it. Oh, it's so nice to speak to you, you know, because I, oh. I've watched you for so many years as well. I think oh. I, whether we started around the same time or yeah. um, kind of in quite similar circles, you know, similar like online shows and yes. music shows. Um, and it's, it's, I, I've watched you work so hard as well. And I have so much respect for that. And before we started recording, we we're saying about not like singing and shouting about it so much. You're just like pure graft. So it's, oh, it's always good to talk to you, mate. Oh, I really appreciate that. I really well. I want to speak about that early start because I know there's lots of different parts of your journey. But one thing in particular where I first saw you was Jump Off TV. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> I remember that was like the talk of the town because, like, um, for anyone that grew up in London, especially Jump Off was really like you know they were immersed in like the music rap culture. Like that's where Professor Green started. That's where dance battles used to be a thing. And when they kind of announced that they were looking for presenters in 2011, the buzz was like, okay, everyone's got to be involved. And you won, and you became yeah. the presenter of the Friday Hip Hop Report UK. That blew my mind because I was like, who is she? Who is she? (laughs) You came on your tractor. (laughs) You was on a tractor in your video audition. Please talk me through this whole process. (laughs) Oh, my God. You have dug deep into the vault, (laughs) haven't you? Um, Yeah. So they they wanted um, little video applications for this new presenter role. I'll be honest with you. I think there was more content around the search for the presenter than the actual presenter did once they got the top because they flew you out to New York right no oh no it looks that way and people thought oh, that wow. was the case I was just in New York and I happened okay. to find out that I'd won while I was there and so they'd no always done way. the US hip hop report with Valerie Laura um yes. for a good few years until then and they were like oh we want to do a video um of you having won I was like well I'm I'm in New York right now I just finished uni and I'd gone out for a little trip, a little road trip to celebrate before like hoping to try and be an adult and find a job yeah. and stuff. And I'd just done this. It was so off the cuff. It, it, it was, yeah, they put out the call for a new presenter for the hip hop report. And I, I had a tractor to hand. <laughs> because? <laughs> I was like, because loads of these girls are so good, right? Who are replying. They were so <laughs> charismatic and beautiful and knew loads about music and, I don't know, I've always had a bit of an imposter syndrome, so I always felt like I'm not, I don't think I actually measure up to them, but what do I have that other people don't? And that is always 
my mantra when it comes to to working it's yeah work hard but work smart find little ways yeah. that are going to make you stand out um that people hadn't thought of yet that I, I just think it's so important so um I mean I'm not saying find a tractor that's yeah. just an example <laughs> but I, my, my parents live like in quite rural Newcastle and okay. I, I had like a week at home I was like you know what I'm just gonna like get bits of their life which I know will be very different from all these girls down in London and, and make yeah. a little video and luckily why was I oh yeah Rich Free too. that was it yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a tractor. that was it yeah. so I was like okay there's a song this is gonna all fit together I'm gonna use this hip-hop song and I'm gonna like recreate it into a video as to why I should be your host and and yeah, it worked. And then I just happened to be in New York. So we did like a, a little video and that was cool. That was like my first bit of presenting. Kind, mm, no, wait, kind yeah, of. Yeah, because it wasn't, yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, some MTV stuff out in Argentina where I'd lived like the year before. Um, yeah. Again, it was, a, it was a bit of an accident. Like I, I love um, telling stories. And I love communicating and learning about people and uh, hopefully keeping them company. I'd always assumed I'd do that through writing. I guess when you're growing yeah. up and you're at school and you're at uni, um, in terms of student media, newspapers tend to be the one. Like there aren't many TV stations in schools. So yeah. it hadn't ever occurred to me. And I love writing. And it was only when I was in Argentina, I was working as a writer, that some guys approached me and they were like, we work for MTV um, in the US and we're making a show out in Argentina because it's cheaper in Buenos Aires to film. That's it. And um, we oh, need wow. someone who speaks English. I was like, I speak excellent English. <laughs> Let me have a go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I screen tested and got the job and it was great and it was only a pilot never got made into a big thing but it was my first taste of it and that's why when I came back and saw that um jump it was like on Twitter that jump off were looking for a presenter I was like oh I'll go for that quite like presenting now um didn't really think I'd get it and yeah it kind of went from there that's amazing because I do know that you yeah you lived in Argentina for a while and that was based off the fact you studied modern languages at uni yeah French Spanish um, and Portuguese my Portuguese is not very good but my French and Spanish were were good Wow. And what, what made you want to do that, that course? Like, did you know what you wanted to do based off of that? Yeah. So when I was at school, I, um, as I said, I, I knew that I loved writing. I loved writing so much. And I used to write for the school newspaper. We started our own magazine. I did work experience at like local papers and stuff. So I just assumed that I would be like wearing a hard hat and a bulletproof vest and reporting from <laughs> war zones. And that wow. was like, that I dreamt of. And I just thought the best thing for that, did a little bit of research, best thing for that is to just speak as many languages as possible because then you can get the story as fully as possible. You can really immerse yourself in other cultures, understand them. Um, yeah. And I love speaking languages. It makes me, it's just a feeling you get in your stomach. You know, I don't, do, you, do you speak any other languages as well? No, or? I wish I did because I, I studied French from primary school all the way through to secondary mm-hmm. school and then I stopped. Yeah. And I was like, why on earth did I stop? Because it is so important to have extra languages especially yeah. as a broadcaster, it can come in handy. So I do kind of kick myself for that. But um, You can pick I'm, it up again any time. You could oh like... Gosh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have the mental capacity for it right now. <laughs> it's, it's a nice feeling. And yeah, don't get me wrong, my French and Spanish are rusty at the moment because I've not used them for a while. But I really enjoyed them. I thought this is going to be useful. This, is, No matter what job you go into, you could always apply languages to it. So you could become... Yeah a lawyer and your language is still coming useful or you could be a doctor and your language is still coming useful so I just thought at least I've just got it I'll just have it um and it but actually it was more influential than I thought it would be because it sort of kick-started this time of my life um and I still yeah I still use my languages like even if you just go on holiday it's just useful isn't it it's just nice 
you're like don't worry guys I've got this I can ask the questions <laughs> you know what? it's actually a bit annoying because I remember going on holiday with one boyfriend and it nearly broke us up because what? we were in Cuba and it was like you have to do everything so he'd be like oh well obviously you speak you go and order it even down to like little things like ordering a beer but you get to a point where you're like I don't want to do everything yeah. like learn something like learn, learn your favorite something. word your favorite food yeah. something so it's like the end of the night when so you need, we need a taxi and it's like well obviously you can you've got the phone you go and get it I'm like I'm tired now <laughs> I totally get that I totally get that so okay you you you've express such an amazing passion for writing and it sounds like the presenting kind of just happened organically but did you ever think you would be on the screen and be a presenter not really I don't think anyone does when they start because you're so consumed well, I don't know actually you know, this is probably just how I feel I think everyone has different roots and different ways of um, cultivating their ambitions but I was just wanted to immerse myself in what I was doing right then and work towards the next thing so I didn't really have big dreams like I never dreamt of being you know of being on Capital Breakfast for example or on Strictly Come Dancing I just knew that I liked broadcasting and I knew that I liked dancing and like all these things happen because you're like well there's a way that I can I can make the most of a passion and I just think I I can I have I take my hats off my hat take my several hats off yeah. Okay. I've been okay. in lockdown for a while I've not got dressed for a while so I don't even know how to wear headwear anymore several hats I take my hats off to uh, people who are really really um tunnel visioned and determined with their goals whereas I have a, a quite different approach and it's one of recalibration so every time things change or a door closes I don't think okay well I'm going to find another way of making it to that goal I, I'll, I'll sit back and think okay well what have I learned from that and yeah. actually what have I learned that I'm good at and where can that maybe take me so it's constantly taking different routes your your path changes every day so um, and that's so I just think that's okay because it's sometimes that it's it's helpful for your mental state as well because if you think that you failed at something then you're going to feel really down about yourself and your abilities whereas Rather than seeing things as abject failure, just see it as, a, see it as another junction and at the beginning of another chapter. So, yeah, but I, I didn't really think about being on screen until I was. And I was yeah. doing it because I just, just doing something I'd learned that I loved. Amazing. I think that's so important that you don't force it. It just, if it happens, it happens. Like, you know, this is the yeah. next part of the venture. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got to make money. I think somewhere where I've been very, um, very like... I might look quite bullish and I've worked very, very hard and grafted is because I can't, like I didn't have anywhere to live when I first came to London, you know, like I came from Newcastle and you, you, you've got no money. You've left uni with all this debt. So I worked really, really hard. Many people think that's because I was like, I need to achieve this, this and this. It wasn't, it was so, so I could survive. Oh my gosh. It's so true. <laughs> live. What I that I love. A lot of us, you know, I, I've been fortunate to grow up in London and most of the opportunities happen to be in London. I went to uni in Leeds, but right. I was like, I'm going straight back home to London and I, I could actually be broke at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it must have been so different. Like, was you scared about coming to London? Um, No, I wasn't scared. It was, you know, what? you always find a way through, don't you? But the, the thing was, I'd learned that I had a passion and once you have a passion... You have to, like, you have to do it. I can't stop. I get so wrapped up in things. Um, so I decided I, I love this industry. I'm going to try and make TV because it seems really exciting. 
but also realizing that a lot of the jobs that you take at the beginning they're not going to be paid so you've yeah. got to then subsidize it by doing other jobs as well and I was so lucky to have met these people at MTV so that when I came back to London in my final year of uni I am um, kept in touch with all the contacts I had because I had to come back from my year abroad from Argentina finish my degree right. I did not want to I was like I found something I love oh, but um wow. yeah but I had to finish my degree but all the way through my final year I kept in contact with MTV and they were letting me come down to London to just help out with stuff like Amazing. work experience office running that kind of thing and they had and I don't think they do it anymore it's such a shame because it was so brilliant they had this internship that they used to run and they had various different sections of it but I was on the MTV News internship, which was the best one. Because you learned to I shoot, you learned to edit, you learned to interview, you learned to script, everything. And you're just, you're just learning. Um, you're not, you know, you're not a presenter by any means. And I, you know, they had Laura Whitmore already. They had Joel Domit. They didn't, yeah. I, was, I wasn't going to be walking in there as a presenter. But I just, ha I, I had the best time learning all this stuff. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Because it meant that I could then use what I'd learned as a journalist and put it together with what I'd learned about production and become a reporter. So I trained um, with ITN. I'd just been send, I'd been kind of cutting together these tapes. of every time Laura was like ill at MTV, they'd let me yeah. do the interview and I would just keep the B, the B camera, so the second camera. Well done. And put it all together, sent out loads of tapes to like the likes of 4Music, ITN, kept bothering them. And a, a really good tip, although we're coming to tips at the end, but a really good tip is to make um, Make little showreels that are specific to the person that you're sending it to. So they're getting yes. a bespoke showreel that is, that is for them, what they would want out of you. Sending all of the, and it takes a long time, but send them all out to these <laughs> different people. And they finally gave me a shot. And um, yeah, ITN had me in as a reporter covering entertainment news um, and some real news as well <laughs> on the news and entertainment desk. Um, wow. And doing like the overnight shift. So midnight till 8 a.m. And, oh then, and, and then I moved up in the world, Ramel, and I had a 3 a.m. to 11 a.m. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so long. And all that time as well, I was still working in production for various like independent production companies, like doing assistant production during the day. There was a period of my life where I didn't sleep. There was just, yeah. you would sleep every three days. Wow, you smashed it. Like, oh, my gosh. People don't realise how important just getting as much experience, taking every opportunity. It's just so important. And you've yeah. clearly built such an incredible CV. And I think that's, a, that's the thing as well. People saw that you was working. So why not give you a shot? And that's, I think that's what yeah. people need to realize. You need to be active and you need to be speaking and, you know, just ask, can, Hey, can I come in? Hey, can I, can I do a little bit of editing? You know, that, that really definitely helps. And um, I think, I think it's important that you learn on the job, but, I know yeah. that a lot of people are probably querying. I'm sure there's a lot of presenters who might be a bit younger thinking, should I even go to uni and study journalism or broadcasting? So for you, especially as you didn't study these things specifically, um, yeah. what do you think about that? Well, I think that everyone has a different route into this industry. There's no prescribed journey that you should be following that you should take um plenty of people didn't go to uni I don't think you have to you can learn on the job and you'd probably be in exactly the same position it depends what you want out of it um yeah. I for me it was important to do a, a, a quite traditional and very open subject like languages because I wasn't entirely sure what was going to happen I wanted yeah. to keep my options open and know that if it if TV and actually I didn't know about tv before I went I thought it was going to be um print journalism but if anything was to fall through I still have something to go back on um, I am 
a bit of a plan B kind of person like and it's the same <laughs> thing about recalibration I'm, I'm like have other options like don't yeah close doors because you don't know what's gonna happen like there might be a global pandemic imagine that oh, <laughs> or like who anything knew? could happen who knew <laughs> exactly so just having something and I've always thought and I still think now this might not go on forever you know we have a very fickle industry and I will keep working as long as I want to but if anything was to change what if I was just to change my mind I would, I would happily, happily work. I, th- I think most likely I'd work for a charity. Um, but I, you know, you don't know. I've always thought like maybe I could retrain in law or even Ooh. take it right back and do medicine. Like you just never know. I would, li- I would like to have options and to know that. I think just knowing that you can it helps your frame of mind about things. It gives you a bit of perspective. But um, I think I just warbled there. I can't remember what what the question was oh, it was just mainly about yeah just no no you've answered it because do you need uni do you need to study specifically oh. broadcasting or journalism and you've answered it um, you you know you can pick up the skills along the way yeah but if you do then that's great too like I, I actually so after I finished after I came up from Argentina and I was um in my final year of uni I actually got a place at City to do um broadcast journalism um, oh, to wow. study it um as a master's and I was like all set to take it until literally at the last minute um, uh, MTV offered me this internship and I was like well why do I need to do a degree why do I need to do a master's I've literally just done four years of university why would I need to do like more studying when I could get paid to learn the same things that I'm going to learn on the course more or less Um, so I I just I just decided not to go also it was going to cost it was going to cost me like eight grand and I didn't have eight grand so you have to get a loan and you already got all this debt so um yeah, but if, but then for plenty of people, I know plenty of people who did that course and are absolutely smashing it as journalists. So yeah, yeah and there's really good places you can do it. Like City was a brilliant one, and Cardiff's a really good one. And um, yeah, there's good journalism courses out there. Yeah. But by the same token, you can you could be just as successful without one. It depends on you. Yeah, it definitely does. I actually studied broadcast journalism as a BA. So okay, right. It, it it at the time I hated it. But now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I learned how to produce, how to create, how to edit, how to direct. So, you know, I guess it's it's different for everybody. Like, you know, I luckily I found that course when I did. But, you know, I, I know that they didn't actually have broadcast journalism in a lot of places for a while, especially as a BA. And I knew it was available as a master's. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate to be able to find it and like it and get it. And yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely it's 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 about timing sometimes as well. And yeah, yeah good for you for actually being like, actually, I don't need the masters. <laughs> I've got the skill, I've got a job. But I thought to myself, if this job doesn't work out, I'll just go back and do it. Like true play. Yeah, very, very true. No big deal. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. I like I like this this don't force it mantra. I like that a lot. It's good. <laughs> I don't know why I'm I sound so laid back and I really am not. <laughs> yeah to be fair, no, it's hindsight isn't it now you're like oh I'm chilled yeah. now then you were like yeah. come on work 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 but hey it's it's all about you know learning experiences so for you what do you think are kind of the key moments that took your career to the next level because it sounds like early on you had loads of options and loads of things that were kind of going for you even before you know capital and everything what what kind of sprungled so- you I, I think I think MTV well because it was my first I, although we were you know presenting we although I was doing presenting on jump off 
really MTV was the first like big broadcaster I worked for and I really got yeah. a sense of how TV worked and it was a place where I could make a decision that yes this was where I wanted to be and I could see everything happening also MTV was such a vibe it was such a great place especially for a young broadcaster to get a passion for it to get their teeth stuck into it I would yeah. happily have worked like 15 hours a day for them because I was having such a good time the people were brilliant and it was also the kind of the glory day not it wasn't quite the glory days they probably came a bit before me but it was the tail end of the glory days of music television where there was still music on music television because there's not really anymore um you know it's mainly reality shows and that's a shame so I'd say that because that's where I I really got taste for it and then um I, there's a there's a guy called Jonathan Pascoe at ITN who took a big chance on me. Do you know him? Yeah, just, I've met him. I owe him everything. I really do. He didn't have to keep taking chance after chance after chance. He was the one who got my show reel when I sent it to him. And he was like, sure, come in, we'll have a chat. He didn't have to do that. And I know actually now that that's just the kind of person he is. He has chats with people all the time. And he, yeah. he, um, he just is happy to speak to young broadcasters who are interested in getting into the industry. And ITN is a brilliant place because it is entertainment and it is news. It's got everything. ITN, you've got Channel 4 News, you've got Channel 5 News, you've got ITV News. So there's so many opportunities to learn. You've got sport, you've got documentaries. They they make um, stuff like Children on the Front Line, which was nominated for an Oscar, you know. they Oh, they they, were part of making for Summer, again, which got an Oscar for documentaries. Like, it's a very special place to be. So I, I, I was so inspired by being there and so happy to be given... Um, an opportunity to learn on a number of different desks, thanks to, to Jonathan. He got me trained up. I got voiceover training. I got training on Avid, on editing, everything. And he kept um, putting me forward for jobs. And even when I didn't get them, he'd be like, it's okay, we're going to put you forward for another one. So Aww, I don't know why. Please. I don't know why he did this. I really can't tell you why. And But I owe him everything. So that was how I got, um, first I was presenting the show business on Channel 5, and then on 4 Music. And then on ITV2, something called um, FYI Daily, which I did yeah. for a long time. And it was a really I good, <laughs> like, entertainment, like, a two-minute bulletin. You cut it. You do all the interviews for it. You script it. You put it out. You do the whole thing from start to finish. And you're doing it every day. You really build up this skill set, which is so indispensable. And it's also really good um, time to be, you know, on ITV2, a, a very successful entertainment channel every single Definitely. day in the evening when people are watching Fast and Furious 7 <laughs> or yeah. whatever it is that they're watching and it pops up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry for enjoying your film. Uh, so that was a big turning point and it led to a lot of things because I was on 4Music through them and ITV2 through them. That's when I started getting bigger shows for those two channels. So with ITV2, wow. that's where I got um, uh, Too Awesome, which I did with Roman, which was the beginning yes. of like mine and Roman's kind of relationship. And that was a big sort of Sunday hangover TV show that we got basically because they kind of knew me through this other thing. Um, oh and then gosh. the same with For Music. They knew me through these bulletins that I've been producing at ITN. And that's where we started making lo- I made so many shows over the like six years I was with For Music. And actually, wow. I, I, never think, I never think that For Music ended. It's, we still do bits and pieces here and there. So it's still an ongoing relationship. And that's probably one of my longest relationships <laughs> <laughs> between myself and For Music. Um, it feels like family there. So yeah, yeah. We, everything from um, Face the Fans to Trending Live to The Hangout to my favourite show that I did with them, which was called Fresh. And it was a whole, I did yeah. two years of this campaign of new music um, that I just thought was the most beautiful programming. It was so sensitively made. It was so ahead of the curve on getting the best artists before they peaked. I just, yeah. I honestly, it was, it was amazing. And the creative, every single episode was so clever. 
So um, yeah, that was a that's a special relationship. Um, oh, that's and that was beautiful. where it began. It was began at ITN. So I think that you know you have the bigger moments in your career. Sorry, I'm really waffling. Yeah. No, you're my, you don't understand how many gems you are dropping right now. Because you're, I think everyone that's listening can hear it's about building relationships. It's not just about, you know, you're clearly talented and you clearly work hard, but it's important to get, get to know people in the buildings as well. And once you become a familiar face and once they can trust you, of course, they're going to send yeah. jobs your way. And that's clearly well, what you've yeah. done. I think I think so because it's a it's a very small industry and you never know yeah. um you know when someone is going to be in a position of I guess of being able to give you opportunities so the person that you met as a runner on one job could be your assistant producer on another and then your producer on another one and then maybe even will be a commissioner in future yeah you never know but it's also it's, it's just cool people it's nice people they're people who are like-minded yeah. want to tell stories so more than anything more than trying to like get ahead or anything, I just really enjoyed the people that I've met. I've always, um, I've always taken my fr- like friends from all these jobs and just stayed in touch with them because, we're like, what a, what a brilliant like thing to have. We're so lucky to be in such a sociable industry, and it can be overwhelming at times. And yeah. sometimes I, I don't want to socialize because I'm <laughs> tired and, and too much. I've drank too much already this week or whatever. But um, <laughs> I think we're really lucky to be able to meet so many people. But yeah, there's all these like, you know, bigger moments like Capital or Strictly or Carnage or um, or The Voice or X Factor. And they, yes, they're big, but actually the most formative ones are probably the ones that came earlier down the line. Um, yeah. And that, that's what builds you up. That's what sets you up. And it's an industry where some people can have like overnight success. And again, hats off to you if you do. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather have a foundation, yeah. even if people don't know about it, just because at least... I, f- I feel like I, I feel like I know what I'm doing a little bit more, and like I've earned it. No, don't get me wrong, and you never really know what you do, but <laughs> you've got a bit, you've got a bit of a foundation to build upon. And so, if things start to crack or things start to fall apart, like any building, if you've got a good foundation, you could rebuild it again. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, you've mentioned radio a few times. When did radio come into your career? Was it a choice? Was it oh, you should try this, or what was that? A little, a little bit of everything, really. Um, so the first bit of radio I did was oh, oh, quite a long time ago. So during the, the days of just starting out with Four Music, doing ITN stuff, the, um, the BBC ran um, a campaign, a scheme called the Women in Radio Scheme. Okay. And they were aiming to find more female voices to have across their regional stations. So they ran, it was a really great day. So they took, you had to apply for it. And they took women from all different um, disciplines because what they were yeah. looking for was, you know how a lot of shows now, you, rather than just being a presenter, they, you're usually an expert. So they'll have, they, yes. they, I remember the day they had, um, oh, what's her name? Um, Jeanette Kwake, you know, the, um, the yeah, the runner. Former athlete, now host, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was there. And then there was like um, Kate Williams, who's a really um, accomplished historian. And then they'd have like a doctor. And they have all these women who had great voices really eloquent talkers and had something to talk about no mm. idea why I was there but anyway I was there <laughs> and <laughs> I was like the youngest person there I must have been about 23 um okay. and they got us all like free, they trained us all basically in, in how to drive the desk a little bit um interviewing skills techniques um and it was brilliant you got to meet like Jane Garvey and like the women's hour presenters and like the commissioners from 
BBC Radio. And it was it was great. Um, so we did that. And at the end of it, they gave us all these envelopes where we could write to regional stations that we'd be interested in having a bit of work experience in using our newsstand skills. Um, okay. I don't know what we had to put in an envelope. This definitely could have been done over email. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not criticising the lack of digital prowess at the time. We wrote it down on paper, <laughs> put it in envelopes, and then put it in like a bowl. <laughs> and then they would like pick it out. And we basically we all got assigned different um, regions. And I went to Cambridge, which was great because I knew Cambridge because I'd yeah. gone to uni there for four years. Um, so yeah, I did work experience for, a, it was one, was it one day or one week? It must have been a week. And like stayed with my friend who was still living there doing his PhD or something. And um and yeah, and then they from there they gave me an overnight show. Um Wow. Which was it was like I mean, it was proper proper graveyard. It was like five AM on a Sunday morning. Oh my gosh. Which, um, Vic, you do the hours, man. <laughs> to get to Cambridge from London, by this time obviously I'm living in London. To get to Cambridge from London for 5am on a Sunday morning is actually impossible because the trains yeah. have stopped running by midnight the night before, but they don't start running till 7am the next day. So I used to have to go oh on a Saturday God. night and I would like to sleep on the floor of the BBC. No, Vic! <laughs> yeah, I would go but like... I'd be like, like, guys, I've got no accommodation. Can you put me up for the night? Like, I didn't want to like what? annoy anyone. Oh my God. <laughs> You know what? I didn't think anything of it at the time. It's not all glitz and glamour. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so I used to go up at like ten p.m. on Saturday nights and just sleep for a little oh. bit on the floor, and then get myself up at half four and then do the show. It was only five till six, and I made so many mistakes, so many. But that was the point. Like it, the whole point was it was a great road to make your mistakes. Yeah. The, the station controller was brilliant. He would listen back. Like you'll know what an air check is or a snoop. But he, yeah. He would he, he would listen back intently, give me loads of feedback. And he really cared about trying to like cultivate these skills and like um, help me build um, a little bit of a, of a like, what's the equivalent of a show reel? It's not a show reel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, an audio, no, audio demo, reel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's demo, it. that's the um, one. And yeah, and from there, after doing that for eight weeks, um, he used to get me on as like a cover host to cover like the afternoon show. I remember my first afternoon show, so it was like my first bit of proper radio, like, being the presenter of it, driving the desk. And because this is BBC Radio Cambridgeshire afternoons, your main demographic is you stay-at-home mums and housewives. Yeah, um, So the first, the first topic that we had as our main topic of discussion that day was the menopause. Oh, and my gosh. Like, okay, what, 23-year-old you talking about yeah, menopause? <laughs> my, I've got it. I'm going to talk about the menopause to people for whom this is actually a really important subject. Absolutely. My yeah. mum has gone through the menopause yeah fair enough fair enough <laughs> but you know that's what presenting often is it's talking about subjects you don't necessarily know about but you're going to learn about um that's so true so yeah so that was the first bit of radio and I it, I really enjoyed it and I I loved regional BBC radio because I think that they covered so much that was so important to people listening in um but it wasn't it wasn't like a it wasn't an aim or a goal to get a radio show. Or to, it was just a, a thing that I was doing. I really liked the opportunity to learn, to communicate, to tell stories. Yeah. Um, I was happy to leave it for a bit to do. Uh, this was when like a lot of TV stuff was happening. So doing a lot of full music stuff. I was doing, started to do lots of stuff at ITV2. Um, and I was working with Disney and, and Viva as well at the time. So oh, we were doing gosh, all these yeah. shows too and music shows. So I just left it for a bit. Um, and 
yeah, it was years and years later. I'd done like a demo of the Capital ages before and not really thought much of it. And years later, Capital got back in touch, put Capital Extra. Um, yes. Say, do you want to come and demo to do some shows for us? And I was like, yeah, sure. I haven't really thought about I've not really thought about this for a while. I was, I was really like just content doing TV and, and reporting and journalizing, etc. But um, yeah, uh, they gave me a shot as well. And they, they were doing, the, I think you probably did the same. We had to do the overnight shift. We were doing like 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. or something. Yeah, just for a few warm up. For a while, I was very tired as well. Still doing everything oh, else, gosh. but yeah, just warm up for a while, and then got weekend breakfast with them, which was, you know, what I loved that so much. I wow. loved that so so much. Catalectra weekend breakfast was just so much fun. Yeah. You had a bit of free reign, didn't you? you got Al Smith, who's a legend. Who's like the con- is he controller? Is that his yes. title? Catalectra yeah. legend. Loved my time under him so much. <laughs> Um, and he, he was nice and he helped me learn and grow and oh, um, I loved the music on Capital Extra and I, I think also there was something really nice about the fact that when I would come into the office obviously there's not really anyone there on weekend breakfast you just kind of you're just, just doing it aren't you I had Jimmy me- Hill across the way on Radio X oh, at the time bless. With friend. we'd have a coffee it was all great um, I yeah. did that for six months and then um, Roman who I've been working with for uh, like at this point, uh, maybe over a year at this point, because we'd done a big Red Bull show together. We'd done this big ITV2 right. series together. He came into my studio one morning because he was doing Capital. He'd been doing the evening show on Sundays. And he came in and he was like, um, they're going to, I'm going to be doing breakfast because Dave Berry's leaving. Um, yeah. Do you want to be a co host? Would you like to like demo for it? What? Frankly, was it just I like a casual conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that, I, I, I think that was hit. I think that was mainly just him. I don't know if he'd actually even run that past the bosses at this point. No. But we knew that we worked really well together. Um, yeah. We had like a really great like chemistry and connection. You can't really put your finger on why it yeah. works so well. It just does. He's like, he just, it was like my brother. It was like a, yeah. a really good banter. You just understand each other's humor and each other's like sensibilities very well. So he came in, he was like, do you want to do it? I was actually like, mm, I'm really having a nice time here on Capital Extra, if I'm honest. <laughs> Like I'm fine, <laughs> but all right. But you don't say no to that, do you? Yeah, it's gosh. Because I was, I was actually really enjoying having my own little thing going on on Capital Extra and just getting on yeah. with it and having my weeks free to do TV. This is a yes. huge commitment. It's a huge yeah. change, a huge shift to go to to do a breakfast show every single morning on a big station like that. Which which there is a lot more work that goes yeah. into it. You're not just coming in to do your show. There's everything after it because there's a lot of preparation and planning. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, there's a whole team of people who are overlooking it. It's not just a snoop anymore, but it's, you know, it, it, there's a lot. Um, yeah. And so it, it was a very hard decision to make to do it. It really was. It was like, is, do I want that change? Do, do I want to, because in my, in my eyes, it was actually taking me off my path a little bit. I kind of get that, yeah. Working on up, to, up until then. I was working a lot more as a journalist before, and so as well as, as doing all the entertainment stuff, I had enough time during the week to do at least three days at, at ITN of being yeah. a journalist. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. Um, but we demoed, and again, as, as we kind of expected, it worked really well. Wow. So we went for it, and it was, an, it was an amazing opportunity for three years. But obviously, as you know, like at the end of three years, I was like, okay, I need to get back to what I was doing before. Um, wow. And I, it's time to grow. I don't want to... Like, I've enjoyed this. It's been brilliant. I love the listeners above all else. I love the team that I worked with in that studio. But there's a lot of things that during that time I had to turn down that I wasn't able to do, like 
um, that would have taken me abroad or that that was telling the stories that I kind of felt I stood for and that I'd set out to tell in the beginning. And you can't lose sight of what it is that makes you impassioned and what it is that stimulates you. And you need to be challenged. So Definitely. I um, I decided that I'm, I wanted to be back in the market for a challenge, which is why wow. I, I moved on. Yeah. What a decision that was. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you, man. Like you took it on. You smashed it and I can't wait to see what's next. But I want to talk a a, a little bit more about what Capital Breakfast meant for you as a personality. Because did you Mm. expect to become Vic Hope? (laughs) Goes on to do reality TV and, you know, campaigns and all that. Did you expect all of that? Was you ready? Um, No, not at all. I don't think anyone is. There's a bit of a shift and this is where... um, the culture the whole culture around show business I guess is it's a fickle thing um so yeah it does it 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 raises your profile a a show like Captain Breakfast it's on um broadcast nationally um it's very popular especially amongst um very young listeners and I I am so I feel so privileged to have been in a position where I could wake up every morning go to school with have breakfast with all of these especially girls especially like 13, 14, 15 year old girls, because I know what it means to have someone who's talking to me every day. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, I, I used to listen religiously to the breakfast show on Radio One. And I knew that if if I heard car park catchphrase, I was late for school. But at least yeah. I was hearing car park catchphrase. Like those little things, they really stay with you. I remember Zoe Ball, I remember Sarah Cox, I remember Chris Moyles. And to have that relationship with your listeners, it's so important. And I was honoured to be in that position. But with it also does come a level of recognition. I don't think I'm not, I don't think I was like, you know, you're never going to be like Angelina Jolie or anything. You're still just a presenter. You're a mouthpiece for other stories. You've always got to remember that, not lose sight of that or think that it's about you. It's not about you. It's about the people you're talking to. Um, But it does, it does raise your profile. There will be like photo shoots and campaigns as a result of it. And, um, and I was very lucky to do that because they're fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I always think that, so I, I remember I did a little bit of modeling when I was younger. And if you actually do a model, modeling as a model, God, it's really stressful. But when yeah. you get to do a photo shoot and it's just like, you're just doing a photo shoot. Like, <laughs> you don't you don't worry about whether the clothes fit you. or not, that's, like, <laughs> that's like your place to worry about. All of a sudden it becomes a really fun thing. Don't true, get me wrong. I'm sure true. having a great time doing what they do, but it's not for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, when all of a sudden you you just you're in this position where you can take these things. They're they're a bit fun, but you must never forget that they will end at some point. They will Definitely. dry up. You can't do it for that reason. You must never look at Instagram following or campaigns as the reason you do mm. what you do. Because if you're a presenter, I'm saying if you're a broadcaster, otherwise you're going to lose sight of things and you won't be as authentic. And you'll get upset when it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Just yeah, but it it did kind of change the game quite a lot. It it changes mm. the um the playing field. But yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a shift. Because <laughs> I was going to ask as well. Like I've been in loads of rooms where they ask, "How many followers do you have?" Yeah. And it's the most infuriating thing because it's like, "Have you even looked at my showreel before you've asked me that?" So I know a lot of presenters on the come up are going to be asked that. Do you think it's important in this day and age to kind of learn how to be an influencer a personality to be media trained like that do you think it's important I'm rubbish at it honestly (laughs) I'm rubbish I have to be reminded all the time that you haven't posted that thing you need to put like a hashtag this on it or whatever I don't 
I'm like the last generation for whom my phone is not an extension of my arm. Yeah, it's not natural to me at all. Like <laughs> I, I get great joy out of speaking to a camera, just not one that's on my phone. I still feel weird about it if I'm yeah. in a public place. I don't feel like I don't feel like it's normal, but it is. It totally is. Um, and I've got I'm in tremendous awe of the kids who I shouldn't say kids. That's so patronizing. I'm so sorry. I'm in tremendous awe of the people who are younger than me, who are really okay. good at that. <laughs> it just feels a bit weird. But I'm getting I'm getting a bit better, I think. Like, you just learn through doing it more. Um, mm. But you know what it is? I was brought up, and maybe this is not a good thing, but I was brought up to think that it is a little bit big-headed to think that what you've got to say should be of that much interest to anyone else. Yeah, and I, I hear that. Like, obviously, my job is to talk to people, but don't get me wrong. The reason is not because I think I've got something interesting to say. It's because I think that other people have, and I want to help that spread. I want to communicate Definitely. that. I want to tell their stories. So talking to your phone off and being like, okay, so today I did this. I'm like, why did anyone care what I did today? Um, totally hear that. So it's a bit of a weird one. But then by the same t- token, there is a level of self-love in that and, and being confident that I have such respect for and I'm trying to cultivate at my big big age of 30 I still need to get better at thinking actually no you know what you do have some good stuff to say people have employed you to say it so go on just say it yeah um so I'm trying to get better at that but um the Instagram thing I I think for a while I thought it would um fizzle out in the same way that remember when tv companies started using youtubers for shows and it just didn't really work yeah I thought oh you know what I don't think this is gonna fly because it's a different skill um, they do what no, they look do, at what us. we do. Yeah, and I don't think I really don't think the, the YouTube thing. It was, it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a funny one. But I with the Instagram thing, it's I would like to think that we're still in a position where um, TV and radio companies will and channels will not just employ you based on your following. I totally yeah. get why it's beneficial because you bring an audience, but you still got to do the job and you've still got to talk to people in a way that is going to translate to that medium um, yeah. and it's going to work. Uh, and I, I still do think that the talent rises to the top for the most part. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed yeah. <laughs> One thing I love about you is that you are so unapologetic about your culture and who you are. Like you're such a proud Geordie, proud Nigerian <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'll tell you one moment in particular that really stuck with me when you was at the Isle of Wight Festival in 2018 and you wore the Nigerian football kit. It was so (laughs) subtle, but so (laughs) representative because I'm half Nigerian as well. And I was like, I literally nudged my boyfriend. I was like, yo, (laughs) Rick is wearing the Nigerian football kit on the biggest (laughs) platform, like a huge summer festival on Sky. I was like, yo, she doesn't care. She's representing. I love that so much. But I do always think as well, do you ever worry about how you're represented as a black woman in the public eye? Because we've, you know, we've spoken about campaigns and like, you know, we're in cancel culture now as well. And, you know... (laughs) Like it can, a lot of things that you can say, you might be just speaking for yourself, but people are expecting you to represent as black Mm. women across the world. Have you ever had worries where you're like, oh gosh, I I can't say that. Or I don't know about this. Yeah. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Like it is, it's, it shouldn't be a thing that I have to think about because it should just be me, but it is because you know that the way that you speak 
is going to be um, interpreted with your the way with the way you, you look or your culture or your heritage or your background as a prism through which it's seen so mm. we know the way that black women are represented in the media we have seen it just look at the beginning of this year and the way that Megan's been treated or yeah like it's 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 different I don't I don't want to bring race into things but it just is like yeah I've noticed the way that I've been kind of, and I don't, I, I won't talk too much about it because again, even like if little bits get taken out of context from this, like I don't, yeah. I can't bother to go through the the shit that you get in the press, but it, things that I say have almost always been taken out of context, mainly wow. by tabloids and then framed as like, like quite an angry black woman, which, oh, is, which is just a frame, isn't it? It's just a way that, the, the, like, it happens all the time. Like, yeah. how often have you been called sassy or feisty? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Not used oh. for anyone else because you've just said something that's like a bit assertive, or even it wasn't. There's been times because I feel like there's a bit of a narrative that's like woven around us. Um, there's been times that there's been newspaper reports that have taken things that I've said in several separate interviews or oh, wow. magazine articles and they've stitched them together as though they're one conversation. Like, That's I not... didn't even think that was legal journalism. That's not legal. They, they that. <laughs> and they create, they managed to create this, this like, this image of you that is wow. out of your control, that is not you. The sometimes like, you've read articles and I no longer read articles about myself at all because it's just, it's a horrible um, exercise in self sabotage <laughs> yeah I totally get <laughs> like you, that totally the, the way that, that they're written like who even is this who are they talking about um yeah so yeah it's um do your agents by any chance get involved in any of that stuff as well well is that something like is, is there any form of protection for something like that you have PR like I've got PR obviously like once you okay I got PR when I started at ooh, Capital and like obviously go through Strictly and stuff they're, they're just they're, they're big um shows that a lot of people listen to or watch and they're going to be written about a lot that just goes without saying and that's a, a kind of part and parcel with the occupation you've got, got to get used to it but what yeah. I wasn't prepared for was um was yeah the way that things are manipulated and I don't yeah. really know why I really don't know why I couldn't tell you why there is there are certain ways or certain bits of language that I see used over and over again for black women but I guess it's it's fulfilling a narrative that um Maybe maybe it's supply and demand. Maybe people want to see that narrative. Maybe that that fits their stereotypes and that yeah. makes them comfortable. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder: is it even like unconscious bias as well? Because because it happens so often. You're like, surely, surely you know you're being offensive, right? Like, it's, it's just it's scary. The, the, the number of times you see the word. I remember seeing Jamina Jamil um, tweet about this the other day. She was like, "Why is it that my name is always next to slams beef?" Fuse, like yeah. all these things that are, that are never what it is that they're actually writing about. Usually, if you read the actual article, it's not that. But they, they it's, it's they're just words that people love to equate. And I, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like it's unfortunate. But you, I do have to be more careful. Like I have to be careful these days about what I say, what I post, because Gosh. it can just be taken out of context. But then I don't want to be like play the victim. It's not just if anyone can be taken out of context. Definitely. Um, so yeah, like the the more you work or the bigger your profile is, the the more you do have to be careful, and that's a shame because sometimes there are things that I would like to say, um, but I just know it won't be interpreted that way. And you've got to think yeah. not just about what your intention is, but also what the reception's going to be. Um, 
So when I talk about my culture, my background, I realise I do have to be a little bit careful just because I don't want to I don't want to hurt anyone I definitely don't want to yes. hurt people close to me and that can happen I remember during Strictly um there used to be because it's one of those shows that just everyone wants when it, it's so popular it's amazing it's a huge show everyone's watching it and in between Saturday and the following Saturday they still want their Strictly fix so yeah. that's why there's so much written about it and all of us experienced this but I remember there being journalists outside my mum's house in Newcastle um, and journalists outside my aunt and uncle's house which is like 20 miles away from them oh in Newcastle gosh. and they were just like always outside her door and she was frightened and they were asking all these questions but including questions about how she came to England from Nigeria what, like, what is it that you're trying to create here like what like you've got a motive you're looking for a story, but you've already decided what that story is going to be before she's yeah. even opened her mouth. So I had to have my agents talk to my mum to like say, okay, like this is not her world. Like telling her yeah. like don't say anything. Like they're offering her money. Like she's like, should I should I say something? Like should I put it to bed? I was like, no, you can try and put it to bed. Like there's nothing to tell, mm. but they're going to try. And in the end, they did. I remember seeing this big double page spread about like it was called like my Biafra hell. I was like, for goodness sake! Oh my god. <laughs> It's too They'll much. They just, they just make stuff up, man. They just make yeah. stuff up. Oh, the world is mad. Mad <laughs> well, but I even mean, now, and then it's the worry around it. Even now, if I've just said that, I don't think I've said anything bad. But now I'm going to be like, oh man, you were a bit on no, I think. About, do you know what I mean? I think, I think it's important to share these stories and obviously not in a sensational way. And I, I'm not going to clip it in a way like that. Like, you know, I don't edit my podcast. I keep them 100% real. Or unless you really don't want something, I can, you know, obviously do what I have to do. But I feel like it's important for people to know that, especially as a presenter, you can end up becoming the personality, then you can end up becoming a headline. And you can. It's then- crazy. There's another side to it, which is a, a very beautiful and important thing. And that's actually with that platform, you also get to have a voice um, that you can use for things that hopefully you feel you have a responsibility to. And I, yes. I if there's one thing I'm most proud of, like people say, what are you most proud of in your career? And I am so happy to have been able to do things like Capital and Strictly, but actually I'm most proud of leading the Women's March, you know, for Amnesty International yeah. or... Um, working to transform the domestic abuse bill or being able to write articles for Marie Claire about identity and belonging and sexism. And these are all things that actually I have dreamed of. And I think that especially as a black woman and especially as a Northern black woman as well, I know I don't have an accent, yeah. but I'm very proud Geordie. Um, and I care about the fact that people who come from where I come from don't necessarily have the same opportunities because what we talked about earlier, like where are you going to live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. You're going to pay those London bills. Being in in a position to be able to stand up for things that I believe in, which is women's rights, humans' rights, human rights, um, is fantastic, and that's that's something that I hope, I hope, like that's what you want to be remembered for, isn't it? 
Yes, and I think you are leaving an amazing legacy, which I love. Like, you make me so proud because especially, oh. you know, seeing your your charitable work, even in lockdown, like, oh my gosh, you're like, hey guys, just, um, you know, sourcing some food and, you know, just in the kitchen today. Oh, you know, like there's other people that are doing all kinds of photo shoots in their bedroom during lockdown. You're actually doing something worthwhile. Like, it's so beautiful to see and it just shows how genuine you are, which is amazing well, I mean I managed to furlough myself so oh, God. <laughs> let's, let's capital literally like two weeks before lockdown I'm gonna yeah, be honest level new, if I'd known we were gonna go into lockdown probably would have stayed for a bit long yeah <laughs> totally get it but hey but, um, yeah, you know these things it happen. is and, what yeah, it is this is not this is not a pause this is not an end of anything this is another chapter I'd actually, yes. the first thing that I was going to do after I left Capitals, I was supposed to be going over to the Greek Isles to um, work for a refugee charity uh, wow. in the refugee camp for a few weeks. But because of what happened with the virus and also Turkey opening its borders um, and there yeah. being a lot of violence on the beaches when people were arriving, it became way too d- uh, dangerous to go. Um, and so instead, we've managed to... So the charity that I work for here in Hackney anyway, I've been doing it for like four years, um, called Aquaba, and we are a support group social drop-in for refugees and migrants asylum seekers instead we just adapted our service and so that's been pretty much like my full-time job during this time and I've been yeah I've been making meals and distributing them around the refugee community in Hackney as well as doing casework for refugee families and just phone calls and making sure people are okay and making sure the kids that I usually work with are still learning what they need to learn from school but also taking like toys around and like books for them to read and little care packages for the mums and um, we've been raising money as well for hardship grants for them. So just like this is a this is a thing that I wouldn't have got to do otherwise. And again, it's like yeah. what we're talking about before. Recalibration. I never planned this this chapter in my life. Actually, I was supposed to be going off and doing all these TV shows, but they're not happening right now. And that's yeah. fine. So I'll always remember this time as a valuable time and a time when I used a bit of social responsibility that I that I, I have and I, that I am very lucky to have because I'm privileged in a privileged position. Um, and I'll never forget it. And hopefully yeah. we're doing same time so we do what we can don't we always amazing amazing well you've dropped some absolute gems already but before I get your top five tips for any upcoming presenters or broadcasters starting out in the industry what do you think they should know before they start their career so this is a little bit of a (laughs) a protection (laughs) (laughs) things I probably wish I would have known myself Um, things that you should know I mean let's be practical practical to begin with (laughs) things that you should know you're probably starting out freelance so just have a little think about taxes learn about VAT learn about like just do your research talk to someone it's not as hard as it looks um because I even I can do it and (laughs) (laughs) numbers so you know we're managing but just be aware because a lot of people start out and it can that can really throw things off for them if they've not saved their third of their wages and you won't be making that much so the beginning of your your, um, career you've got to know to be frugal and you've got to know to be mindful of what the tax situation is going to be for you so that's just a practical thing um things that you should know I I think I mean it sounds really ephemeral but it will be okay like it's not the end of the world if you don't get a job something else will come up or if it doesn't you'll just try something else because you have control over what you put yourself forward for um another thing you should know is that if you don't go for it you're not going to get it so there's no 
there's no reason to be embarrassed about aiming high or trying for something that seems ambitious or putting yourself out of your comfort zone. Like a lot of people will get conscious of, it's kind of a self-protection thing of like looking like they care too much. That's fine. Care as much as you want and show that you do. People <laughs> love that. People appreciate it. People appreciate the graft. I've been called try hard like loads of times, but at least I'm trying hard and getting something out of it. There so like, it's fine. Like look like you care. Throw you all into it if you want to. Don't be embarrassed. And always remember that no one actually cares about a thing that you've done as much as you do. Then no it's one's going to go home and think about it more. It's only you who's going home and thinking about it more. So don't worry. Like every moment, every gaffe that you make on the radio or on TV, it will pass. People will forget about it. It's only you who harbors it. So I think a really good thing to think is in 24 months' time, will this thing still play on my mind? If the answer is no, it's cool. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, that was good. If the answer is yes, Let's, let's think a little bit more about that. But really, in reality, what things still play you 20 months, four months on, really, realistically? I love that you called it 24 months instead of two years. <laughs> why did I do that? That's a, why did I do that? <laughs> that is so I funny. I can't tell you why I've done that. I can't tell you why I've done that. <laughs> You're like an, a, a new mother who always refers to their children oh in the <laughs> they're like oh he's 18 months old it's like he's one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think you're so funny I love it <laughs> I'm gonna start talking in months now <laughs> in 20 months 24 months time what will I be doing love it <laughs> well Vic this has been so good honestly so many gems but now is the moment of truth Vic, what are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream? Okay, my top five tips to make it in the mainstream. Tip number one is to constantly recalibrate. Um, Look at where you've been and also where you're going. And I suggest doing this every three months. It sounds like that's very frequent, but actually in the freelance world, things can change very, very quickly. Every three months, sit down, make a list, not just of where you want to go, but also the things that you have done. And also, and it's painful, but the things that haven't necessarily worked out, but what you might have learned from them and start to rework the path again. If you keep reworking the path every three months, yes, it's going to be windy, but it's going to be scenic. Um, so there's a lot that you can you can realize you might be good at that you hadn't known, that doors that have closed have actually opened new ones. Keep recalibrating. Okay, tip number two is to keep your contacts um keep in contact with people you've met in every job you've done be friends with them go for drinks with them regularly email them say merry christmas say happy easter that might come across a bit weird (laughs) happy easter but still you know just keep in contact you never know when they're going to be in a position of authority or they're going to be employing you and also it's just nice to have friends in the industry um which takes me on to tip three which sounds like tip two but it's actually for different reasons and that is to to make friends and, 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 and ask for advice. And people like you, Ramel, like talk to people who are doing the same thing because not only can they give you tips, but also they can keep you grounded and they can give you yeah. perspective and remind you that we're all going through it. It's never going to be easy. It's, you're always chasing the next thing. So um, yeah, times will be hard, times will be good. Enjoy it with the people around you who also understand you. It's such a specific industry. That it's quite. I always find it hard to talk to my parents about it because they didn't understand it at all. And the first yeah. boyfriend, long term boyfriend I had, he didn't understand it at all. So it's nice to have some people you can just turn to. Um, tip number four is um, 
really, really build up your arsenal of skills. Um, I don't personally think that it's that valuable to just be a presenter. I know it's worked out for many other people, and certainly in the past it's worked out more, but we're in a very um, different broadcasting climate now, especially now during lockdown. But it's it's been like this for a, a good few years where it's handy to be able to edit to be able to shoot, to be able to script, to be multi-skilled, multifaceted. You'll be more useful. You'll be cheaper because any company <laughs> that can employ, like I tell them, they can employ one person to do the whole package instead of employing a presenter, an editor, a shooter. Of course, they're going to do that. It makes sense. Yeah. So I think build up your arsenal of skills. Definitely learn to edit. Definitely learn some software. Definitely build up your writing skills. And it's also things to fall back on if things don't work out. Um, and then my final tip, is to be kind to yourself um, and to know that it's going to be okay. Like we can be very harsh on ourselves, especially if we're ambitious. We beat ourselves up. We constantly compare ourselves to other people. We look to others for self-validation. That's the nature of being a presenter because you're literally talking to an audience. You want them to like you, obviously. But if you're constantly looking through Instagram and comparing yourself to other people who are doing similar jobs, you're going to either imitate them, which is never a good thing. You'll be yourself or you're, you're going to feel bad about them doing better than you, or that it's, it's not good. Be kind to yourself. Try and take some time away from social media. Try and put things in perspective. Try and have another hobby outside of work that makes you feel good, or do charity work, just so that you don't get too bogged down in this world, because show business is it's fickle, and it's weird, and it's a bit <laughs> toxic, and you just got to be careful. And then um, also, a part of being kind to yourself is knowing that it's okay to take holidays sometimes. Like, I went for a few oh, years yes. of career work any holidays so I was scared that a job would come up I wouldn't be able to do it and I'd miss out and my whole career would be over but actually that reset is so important um taking time away just 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 be kind and it'll make you better at your job when you do come back to it because you'd be refreshed it makes a big difference definitely you actually taught me that and you probably didn't even realize but you posting oh having a week off radio I was like oh my gosh we're allowed like (laughs) literally it's so true sometimes you have to take time out for yourself book that holiday have something to look forward to as well like oh gosh it's so important so thank you Vic and thank you for these top five tips they are absolutely amazing (laughs) oh I hope they're helpful I think everything's easier said than done isn't it and it's easier when you're like you're looking back at stuff and it's it's all it's all just you know what another tip is just to try and be in the present as much as possible which is easier said than done but we care so much about the past and so much about the future that sometimes we forget to live in the present and you'll do these amazing jobs and you just got to enjoy them like how how great is it to be on tv in a nigeria shirt doing an ab sale like yes (laughs) just like enjoy that moment (laughs) i love that i love that honestly you are such a breath of fresh air in a world that feels like you have to be a certain way you have to look like this or you have to do do it like this you are just showing that you can be unapologetically you and absolutely slay it so thank you so much Vic for just being an inspiration to me so many others and yeah just uh, I wish you all the best is there anything so obviously I don't know if are there any I don't I don't know if you've got any secrets because on I, th- I think oh, everyone's kind yeah. of, when you leave radio, everyone's like, yeah. oh, what does that mean? Is something else happening? So should we look out for something, an announcement? Well, do you know what? The- yes, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, we don't know when these, well, we kind of do know when these things are happening. So the things that I'm supposed to be doing now, obviously not currently happening um, okay. because of coronavirus, pandemic. But 
I'm we've got a bit we've got a big sports show coming up Ooh, we've got a big okay, um we've got a children's show coming up we've got an <gasps> art show coming up love it and we've got another book coming out yeah oh, so um yeah and we've got documentaries but all of these oh things gosh. are on hold they're all on hold and okay. I can't say anything more than that but I think I'm allowed to say those things that I just said to you and I cannot wait to be able to share them. But look, it could be 2021. I think it probably will be 2021. Oh, um, but we'll see. It's still we'll see. super exciting, super inspiring. And oh my God, yes, girl, keep writing those books. <laughs> Collect those extra coins. I love it because you are a writer first and foremost. So I love that you yeah. are putting that passion forward as well. So amazing. Oh, Ramel, and I just want to say as well, like, I absolutely adore what you do. You absolutely smash it. And I think you're such a brilliant inspiration for people. And you work so hard and want to transfer what you learn onto other people, which not everyone does, you know. So I really appreciate that. And I've been watching you from time. So keep doing what you're <laughs> yeah. doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, where can everyone follow you so they can keep up to date with when you eventually do get to announce things? <laughs> where can we follow you and keep up to date? <laughs> We always put these things on Instagram and Twitter, don't we? So like uh, Vic N Hope, V I C K N Hope. Um, I should have taken the N out at some point, but someone else is called Vic Hope. Uh, <laughs> and well, I've got a website as well, vichope.com. So yeah, they'll, we'll put stuff up there as and when. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for joining me on the mainstream. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.